Today, we're joined by Brooke Horrigan, a top-performing financial planner with Barnum Financial Group. Brooke has been a financial planner for over 20 years, working hard for her clients and helping them achieve all their financial goals. Brooke joins me today to talk about her path in this industry, the lessons she learned, and key moments in her career growth that helped her become one of the top financial planners in the industry. I'm Paul Blanco, and this is Small Steps, Big Wins. Well, Brooke, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you today. I really am. And uh, nice to be in person here in beautiful Shelton, Connecticut today. So thank you for being here. And, you know, where do I start? Well, let's start from the beginning. How did you end up in the financial service career? I think probably like most people, I kind of fell into it. I was graduating college and I was kind of looking around and I met a gentleman from another firm uh, who was really known for providing good training, getting licensed, all that sort of stuff. So I was kind of weighing my options. It was a commission deal plus a base. So I was kind of weighing my options, looking at different firms to go to uh, different industries as I was graduating college. And I said, you know what, let's take a flyer on it. I can at least live on the base. And if I make some commissions as a bonus. So I got licensed, um, studied for the Series 7. Um, when I passed the Series 7, it was kind of an interesting um, time where I was driving home from the test. I was super pumped. And um, I had a sunroof at the time and I was opening the sunroof and I was like thinking, wow, dollar bills are just going to like <laughs> fall from the sky. Right. Like I have my series seven. This is awesome. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, and it was <laughs> a, uh, a tough go um, for the first few years in this business. I think anybody that you talk to will tell you that. And just trying to get clients being so young, that was a big you know, the first thing they would say, you know, I had one guy when I walked in the door, asked me if I graduated high school. So I was like, yes, actually I did. And, and my parents would be really uh, a little annoyed by that comment considering they just paid for my uh, four years at school. So, <laughs> so after that, we got good training and all that. We just got to a point where it really wasn't working out. So I cleaned out my desk at that point. I had like one picture on the top of the desk so I could leave at any moment. And nobody knew that there was nothing in the drawers, but, but there wasn't a speck of anything else in the drawers other than one picture on the top of the desk. And I was debating on what to do. And, um, so I decided to take the LSATs and I figured, ah, you know what, I could go back to law school and I can at least get another degree, kind of bartend my way through law school and make a few bucks. And then my colleague at the time ended up talking with you and came over, had a good conversation. I think, I, I think you'll say that I beat you up a little were, bit or you something. Were, you were, for someone that had their desk cleaned out, I never knew that part, but for someone that had their desk cleaned out, you were pretty hard on me. But I think- I think rightfully so, right? You were right at a point in your life, in your early career, where you were questioning, is this the right business for me? Yeah, I think a little disillusioned by the business. You know, I mean, I think, you know, getting clients back then was pretty difficult. I mean, I think now it's just a different dynamic and it's in different, it's difficult in a different way. But back then it was, you know, picking up the phone trying to get people on their home phone number, um, you know, trying to get warm leads, which were very, very difficult to get. 
Um, you know, kind of like Glenn Gary leads here, yeah. you know, everybody was like chomping at the bit when some good leads came through and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it was really a slow, slow grind back then and just trying to continue to build a client base in, you know, like a more of an old school environment. Yeah. So was there like, when you think about back then and you're reflecting on that, was there a turning point that you hit and you said where you woke up at some point and said, this is for me and this is my career and for all the reasons you came in. Um, I don't know that there was a turning point necessarily. I mean, I think people say like three years in the business, five years in the business, you know, they kind of give these milestones. So you get to like 36 months and you're waiting for some like lightning bolt to hit and it like be easy. Um, I didn't experience that at all. I mean, five years, I would say no, I'd say maybe 10 years in the business. Like I felt comfortable. I didn't have to worry about where income was going to be coming from. I had a nice um, residual role going at that point. So I felt pretty comfortable, but yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't say there was any particular turning point. I will say though, you have to be a little like off to be in this business. Like (laughs) I heard somebody say like only crazy people, you know, like certain personas do well in this business. And I would definitely agree. You know, I mean, um, you know, I think, you just have to have a little bit of different perspective on things. I mean, certainly risk, right? I mean, you know, if you talk to anybody and tell them you're in a hundred percent commission-based business, they'll immediately tell you you're crazy, right? You know, I never really looked at it that way. I grew up in a family business. We always had risk with regard to income. So I didn't really see it that way. I saw it more, you know, the flip side of that coin in terms of opportunity. Yeah, which is which is a really interesting point that I want to dig in later on. But what I find is, you know, advisors, you could be a great advisor, but to get to the top 1% of the industry where you are, you have to be a little bit of an entrepreneur too. Right. And growing up in a family business really helped with that for you. And mm-hmm. I think that was, you know, it's interesting, the risk reward mindset, but that's part of it. Yeah, for sure. And, for sure. For sure. You know, I remember early career where you are, had invested early on in having an assistant and many people come into this business and they don't do that too early. And then they find themselves, you know, always saying when's the right time. The right time is when you first thought it through, you know? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, I give you a lot of credit on that. You know, you were an athlete most of your life and in college also. And, you know, I find that some of the drive and discipline you learn as an athlete or the competitiveness, do you think that played into some of your early career stuff? And even today, like, do you, do you think there was some skill sets you gained from that? Uh, certainly. I mean, the discipline, um, you know, perseverance, you know, I mean, I think, you know, playing a sport for a long time, um, you know, you're not going to be, you know, you're going to go through slumps, right. You're going to have the downturn. So I think just experiencing that early on, you know, and, and things just not being great, rah, 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 all the time. Um, like my daughter experienced this, this past weekend, they played really sloppy. She plays softball. Now they played really sloppy. The coach went absolutely bananas on them and was going bonkers, uh, running, you know, making them do, uh, do some sprints at the end of the game in the rain, the whole nine yards. And, you know, I, I told, you know, I kind of, she's crying when she gets in the car, of course. Right. And, you know, I just kind of was reminiscing about those times, like many, many times that occurred, right. Where, you, you know, you're just not playing up to the level that you can play up to, um, and things aren't going your way, but you got to move on. Like tomorrow's another day. Right. Um, 
and, um, you know, you just come back and, and try to do better next time. So, um, I think the perseverance part and just like the daily grind, you know, like when you're, when you're playing and, um, you know, particularly in college, you're playing every day, you're playing 365 days a year, pretty much. Um, the daily grind gets tough, yeah. you know, it, it gets tough. You got to do your schoolwork and yeah. all that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I never realized this as an athlete, but what, you know, you always hear these cliches like next play, right? And you think about early career in our industry and even today you deal with rejection or failure. And well, I don't have any rejection anymore. Well, you know Come what on. I mean. Come on. But, <laughs> but don't you, close the sale. I'm a little vent, you know? Yeah, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's part of the industry. And many right. people, I think about it as, you know, playing baseball is probably the best sport for that because you get up at the plate, you strike out, and then you got to go play the field. Sure. And I feel like some people in business today, in general, any industry, if you don't experience that sometimes it's very hard to go next day and next play right. and, and then keeping the grind on it. Right. So I think that's really important for people to realize the demeanor you have when you do that. So you come in, you know, your sunroof is open. <laughs> you, you think the money's going to fly in. Right. But when you were thinking about that, what would, did you have like a certain goal? I know the goal wasn't just to survive. No. Right. What was the, like, how, what were you, how were you reflecting on? Like, did you have how many clients you wanted or the impact? Like, what was it? Um, I mean, certainly to be comfortable, you know, my dad was in manufacturing and I, we had an apple orchard and, and some, you know, side gigs going all the time, but it wasn't where we grew up feeling comfortable. So I definitely had kind of a mindset to get to a point where, you know, we could, feel comfortable, you know, no debt, just feel like, you know, very secure. Yeah. I didn't really have a dollar value or a number of clients or anything in particular in terms of like a hard number. I mean, certainly six figures, um, you know, it's a big deal. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, you know, just continuing to grow and um, really more like growing the business not necessarily what that translated into income or client base or anything like that. So. I find that most people that are where you are in their career kind of like that. They, they kind of want to get in and get set up and feel like they arrive, but not really arrive. Right. And then you just keep going. Yeah. So let's think about it. So flashback for a minute, mindset then to today, 20 years later. 20 plus years. Right. <laughs> like how, like how has your mindset shifted on a day-to-day -day basis? I would say probably COVID kind of changed for me. I would work pretty late in a lot of hours. So, you know, getting home at nine o'clock, um, you know, multiple days a week would, would be the norm. I think COVID really was a good thing for me in terms of the business to get to a shift I see a lot of clients in person. So when you multiply the number of clients in person times the number of hours in a day, it can easily get to a pretty big number. Yep. So, you know, shifting to um, doing some appointments online, you know, through a Zoom platform or Teams or any of those sorts of platforms, FaceTime, et cetera, or on the telephone, uh, a lot of clients were open to that, receptive to that. So that was a good switch for me to kind of condense the day and and kind of work a little bit smarter as a as opposed yep. to a little bit harder. Um, so I would say, you know, the 
cliche of the work-life balance at this point for me is much, much, much better. Great. That's I don't believe though. in work-life balance. I just want, <laughs> that's another thing too, you know, like there's no such thing in my opinion. Um, I've read a, a few books with regard to the fact that there is no such thing. And, and, you know, you're, you're back, you're, leaning in on one or the other. And I think that you have to make a conscious decision at different points in time to lean in on different areas, depending on what's needed. And I think the concept of being perfectly balanced between the two is really a misconception or setting yourself up for failure. Cause I, I, I just don't think it's the reality of, of how life works. Yeah. And as you're listening right now, you know, I talk about being present all the time, but I like the way you said that about, you know, leaning into the, where you are at that moment. Right. Right. And I think that's a really cool thing. And this career affords, well, any entrepreneurial career usually affords that freedom. But if you take advantage of that, especially early career, that could be a huge problem. And you can tell uh, you love what you do each day and you love the impact you make. So it doesn't sometimes feel like I'm working when I'm working and, you know, but the hours, but yeah, I want to really just hit on one thing. So a lot of people have seen a huge uptick. Someone said something yesterday to me that was very interesting. When COVID started, all the bad that happened, a lot of good came of it, as you just talked right. about. And you talked about using Zoom or Teams or any technology like that. Many advisors are out about a 90% of their clients that way. And they said yesterday, clients are now, all clients know how to use it. Where in the beginning, they didn't, right? You And now it's just the norm. But you're probably more like a 50-50. Is that pretty much the case for you? Yeah, I would even say 75-25. Um, my client base, a lot of them are retired or older, so they really do want to meet in person. Oh. A lot of them have embraced technology, but not not to the extent maybe, you know, folks in their 30s and 40s yeah. do. So they they definitely prefer to meet in person. I generally meet with clients twice a year. So sometimes, you know, we'll try to you know, lean in on the technology for one of those meetings and then, you know, do an in-person on the other side. But I'd probably say 75, 25. So again, when you multiply all the numbers out, you know, there's a certain amount of hours that are kind of yeah. occupied with yeah, regard to that. I so. gotcha. So let's talk about that. So I think that early in your career, you started teaching in our corporate ad program right. at major companies. Yep. And I think you know, you probably have been in the same couple of companies for the last 20 years mm -hmm. and maybe not intentional at that time, because many advisors, when they come in, are running around to find clients and, and you've got your clients in really two different geographies. Yeah. So they, it's, it's much, it's less, it's less hard for them to come in Correct. Yeah. when, or less travel for mm -hmm. you. So has that played a big part into your career? Yeah, certainly. Um, so, you know, building a client base that is very homogeneous, it lends itself to referrals to people who are like them. Right. Sure. So, you know, I get referrals on a weekly basis of clients who are referring me to someone who's just like them. And so from that aspect of it, it does make 
the back office side, recommendations, all that, you know, we've really streamlined our processes with regard to that because they're very similar, which is great. And a lot of them have pension plans, which is a thing of the past, but a lot of them still have some accrued benefits there. So, you know, there's a lot of similarities in my client base, which which is good. And that's certainly helpful from, you know, a back office standpoint, so to speak. So Yeah. And then you have access to them and, and you've yep. become well known yep. at those companies. Yep. So yep. that's just drove a ton of opportunity to you and yep. to your team. Yep. So. And I'll get calls too. Like when we were doing workshops in person, I'll get a call. Like I got a call last week from a, a gentleman that's planning on retiring and hasn't been to a workshop in five or six years. But he said, I remember you from when you were here. And I, I don't know if he, you know, kept one of our workshop brochures or slides or what he kept, or he just happened to see a Zoom meeting that popped up, but he hasn't been to anything in a number of years, probably all of COVID. So, you know, that that's also nice too. Kind of like I remembered you. Yeah. But I also think that your name is being spoken about and you're, Mm -hmm. you know, you've done a really good job. So you get that, that's the credibility you get in the business. So let's, uh, so you started out Let's switch a little bit here. You started out as a solo practitioner. Mm-hmm. You know, you came in and it was you and you. And uh, now you're a team of, um, what are you, a team of five now or four? Four of you. Four, yeah. Yep. So you have a team of four. Yep. Why don't you We'd talk like about- way. Yeah. Why you, <laughs> and which is great. And that's, I think that's the coolest part of our business, right? Mm-hmm. That you can build whatever you want. Right. Whenever you want. Right. So why don't you talk about why teaming and, and kind of about the structure of the team? Um, yeah, I definitely like the teaming approach. Um, in my original business partner was Peter Ficino. Oh, that's right. You were teaming all along. I, yeah. I kinda- well, well, I was by myself and then Peter and I were kind of working together and then we kind of formally formed a team and, you know, just the car rides at that point, we were driving back to the offices, going to the corporations, meeting with some clients and, and prospects in person there. Um, so the car rides kind of bouncing things off each other, talking about life, all that sort of stuff was really nice. Um, you know, again, it's a weird business, you know, you have a lot of ups and downs. So being able to kind of have some dialogue with someone who's experiencing that at the same time you are is, is certainly helpful. Um, and then Peter, want, Peter was, uh, that was his second or third career. So he was getting ready for re- retirement. So I bought him out of the business. We had also at that point kind of brought Art on to help a little bit, handle some, um, some lower level clients at that point and um, to see if that relationship was going to work or not. Um, and then at the same time, my husband was managing um, an aerospace business overseas and it was just getting like way too much. He was traveling 180 days a year, you know, overseas, Singapore, Dubai, Abu Dhabi. And the icing on the cake was that he was living in London, trying to move a show from one location to the XL Center, doing all the logistics, all that, promise the world, big bonus, all that sort of stuff. We kind of see that that maybe isn't coming to fruition. And then he was mugged and robbed in Waterloo Station and thrown down the escalator. So um, that was really the icing on the cake. At that point, I was probably like eight months pregnant with my son and had a two and a half year old daughter. And he walks in the door and I'm like, what the hell happened? You know, did you get, you know, it looked like he got in a car accident. Um, so, you know, at that point we were like, I don't, I don't think this is good. Like this is too much with the kids and and too much, um, you know, me trying to manage all this here and you trying to manage all that there. So he said, well, 
you know, I'm a process guy. I'm all about process. I'm all about, you know, getting things set up, back office sort of stuff. With Peter leaving, why don't I manage the back office, handle all the paperwork, take all that off your plate? And so that was like right in his wheelhouse. That's like perfect for him. So I was like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. You know, I mean, when I tell people that story at that point, they normally say, you guys work together. Um, How can you work with your husband? This is that's crazy. Um, And we laugh because literally we were in Newport last week. Um, We had a crazy busy weekend. And then the beginning of this week, I think I've seen him for like five hours total. So he does his thing. I do my thing. Art does his thing. You know, Art and I kind of work together. So, you know, we each have our own job description. We really aren't um, stepping on each other's toes at all. You know, obviously we're working together, but again, I grew up in a family business. It's like all hands on deck, like people help each other out. Um, You know, sometimes we're working at 10 o'clock at night to get something done, but it's fine. You know, my kids know that I'm very clear about that. Um, you know, you have all this because of that. And, you know, there's certain times where we just have to do, you know, do things. And I do try to separate church and state, so to speak, but you know, that that's, you know, not, you know, yeah, an, an ideal, you know, Correct. an ideal world, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so that all worked well. That was like, um, probably almost 10 years ago, nine oh, years sorry. ago. Yeah. At this point. So he's handling all that, managing our staff. And then Art and I are, you know, kind of front of the house, so to speak, meeting with clients and we meet with some clients together. We meet with some clients independently. So that obviously is working well as well. Yeah. It's amazing. And you guys, I, I agree. It's a good yin and yang. And, and I kind of, as you're saying, I'm saying to myself, the same thing goes on with Mindy and I, where we barely see each other. We have two different roles yep. and we're on different floors. <laughs> yep. And, yep. Um, I run into her once in a while and say, exactly. Hey, what's up? Yep. And yep. she says, uh, <laughs> I don't have time for you right now. <laughs> so her standard answer, you right, know, right. I called her yesterday, I think on the way back from an appointment just to say hi. Right. And she says, what do you need? <laughs> uh, I just want to say hi. I can't talk right now. Bye. All right. Thanks. Right. Right. So it'd be better if she works somewhere else. Maybe she'd give me the time. Right. But, um, you know, you take it real serious about growing and mm-hmm. impacting your clients. But when you think of your business and your team and your growth, you know, how do you do that? Like, you know, you've, you've hit a great part of your career very early. 10, 12 years in, you mm-hmm. were at, you know, the top and you just keep raising the bar each year. Is that intentional? Is it well thought out? And how do you do that? Because there's a lot of people here that, you know, are five years in or 10 years in and they've hit that ceiling of complexity and you continue to break through and raise the ceiling for yourself. So how do you do that? I mean, I think we're fortunate, you know, there's a lot of opportunities inherently in my book. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we, we make it very clear to clients when there is a financial decision that you need to make, you, you know, the second call, maybe the first call to your spouse should be to us. Right. And, and we want to be able to give you good advice, if not point you in the right direction. And it doesn't need to be a direct compensation back to me. We want to be able to be there to be helpful and all that. So inherently the book generates a certain amount of growth inside that as a result of that. I think we've also gotten the opportunity to be able to work a little bit smarter as opposed to harder in terms of who we're taking on as clients. And I think that also has helped grow the business in a very controlled way. I would say at this point in my career, I'm not just like hitting the gas. So it's in a very controlled way, very intentional. Yeah, which is great. 
which is great. And I think that many people, but do you guys really sit down and talk about that on a regular basis or is it just, it happens and you say, oh, wow, this is great. <laughs> oh, of course, a little bit of that, you yeah. know, I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we, you know, we definitely come up with our goals in the beginning of the year, well, you know, the end of the year meeting that we have, we have a formal wrap up meeting within our team, you know, bring in lunch or go out to lunch, you know, kind of make it, you know, more formal. Um, we meet every week. We have a staff meeting every week. Um, and so, you know, we're tracking our progress. Jeff is like crazy about tracking everything. He knows exactly where everything is. Um, he was kind of, um, kind of, you know, chiding us a little bit this Monday meeting that, you know, the, the business rolls a little slow at the moment, you know, what's going on guys. Thank um, you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so he knows exactly where things are rolling and, and what things look like, what's teed up, what's coming in, you know, the, the funnel on the queue, you know, in the queue and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, we, we have our finger on the pulse of that pretty much on a daily basis. So that's great. That's great. So, you know, when, when you started in the business, technology was not like a really big thing in our industry. And, you know, I remember like when we started using, people started using Excel just mm -hmm. to track their stuff. Right. Now you have like, how do you use technology on a day-to-day -day basis? And has that benefited you guys to continue to scale? Because some people think of, you know, being the top 1% and I have 30 people on my team, but you have a, like you said, controlled. Right intimate team, mm -hmm. but you're able to do a, you see, you guys have a huge clientele and you give them amazing service. How has technology played into that? Yeah. I mean, we, we, um, we like it the way it is. Um, we run, you know, real tight P and L we like, we like it that way. Um, we're of the mindset where we feel like we could do more, um, within our team as opposed to, you know, doing less and spreading it out in a, in a more controlled way. Perhaps that's a character flaw. I don't know. Um, uh, I don't think so. I think it's just, you know, people think differently. And that's the cool part of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. I mean, you know, we we do leverage technology. We try to leverage technology more, um, you know, as, as things roll out. I mean, we definitely leverage Salesforce as part of our business. I mean, that tracks everything that tracks all our appointments. We run our we run our reports to understand who we need to be meeting with the following month, reach out to those folks. So we, we really do have a good um, system in place. We also are old school on some of the things. I mean, Jeff runs a lot of spreadsheets. His Peloton name is Freaking the Sheets. <laughs> <laughs> sheets as in yes. sheets. <laughs> I understood. <laughs> he had a guy high-fiving him or a somebody high-fiving him like crazy. He's like, I don't think he read that it was S-H-E-E-T-S. <laughs> um, and, um, and so he loves Excel. He loves to be able to manipulate the numbers within Excel. And so we... We do some, some things old school. A lot of, a lot of my clients are older. They like the, you know, high touch in-person sort of sure. um, arrangement, which again, I think is probably a little bit more old school as well. Um, not going to their houses anymore, which is going way back. Um, yeah. So they come into the office and they're, they're happy doing that. And, you know, I think we've got an, uh, a good system in place to be able to, you know, accommodate the relationship in, in terms of what they're looking for and also what's helpful for us on our side too. Yeah. So let's, let's go a little personal for a second. You know, do you have like one of the things that you keep hearing, like you talk about reading a book about balance, right? The big buzz is 
oh, what's your morning routine now? Right. And I have, you know, I have one and I built it over time and right. it just became second nature. But are there things that you do personally that help you to stay mentally engaged in your business? Or is it just, you know, you just get up and go? Well, I'm, I'm not in a great season of my life with regard <laughs> to uh, children's activities and all yeah. that sort of stuff. We were kind of joking. Um, you know, Mindy asked us to, to sent us an invitation with regard to doing something. And I was really trying to make it work. But I said, this season of my life is not allowing for any, uh, you know, adult uh yeah you know, sort of, uh, sort of things, you know, in terms of that, but that's okay. I mean, we're certainly, um, you know, we're, we're fine with it. Like, you know, we're, we're, it, it, I was actually thinking about this cause this weekend is super busy for us with the kids and we're happy to do that. There's no place I'd rather be than on the field with them or, or in the stands watching them play. Um, but when they were little, I kind of wasn't around. Um, so, you know, which, which I think in a way was almost better, you know, I mean, like when they were babies, like I was working till nine o'clock at night yeah. and, you know, I tried to, you know, obviously you don't want to miss those times, but it's almost like they need you more now. Right. Yeah. You know? And so being 10 and 12 and, you know, just kind of having us around a little bit more to be able to take them to those things, I think, in a way kind of worked out. I mean, obviously you always want to be around, but they didn't know any different back then. No, right. No. And we were married for seven years before we even had kids. So there was an opportunity for me to build the business back then without even having children. And then now, so I would say now, I mean, like all great calendar, like our calendar will look awesome for the week and then Monday will happen. And then of course the whole thing will blow up and things will get switched around. And so we're just kind of in the mindset of trying to, stay scheduled, but also accepting the reality of life that it's going to need to be juggled. Yeah. Some flexibility. Exactly. Yep. That's great. So let's, let's go to the future for a minute. So what's next? I don't know. I mean, I'm not that old, so I'm not really, you know, retirement. I don't know when that is, you know, I mean, we could work in this, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, we can work in this business forever. Like good friend of yours, Frank Giannini was here. What, what was he? 84, 85. Yeah. Still working in the business. I, I don't know. That'll be me. Um, but I think, you know, we're fortunate in terms of this business, giving us the opportunity to kind of like dial it back a little bit, still service our clients. My client base is older, so I'm definitely, well, not definitely, but most likely outliving a a lot of them, you know, so I was going to ask you that it's a good point that you brought up. So are you starting to work with their children? A little bit. I mean, that's a very difficult thing. I mean, I think, you know, you'll hear a lot of uh, folks talk about how, you know, you need to engage the beneficiaries and in, in all of that. I think I read a stat that only one in 10 stays with the existing advisor. Yeah. So, you know, I, I try to, I mean, I think there's definitely, um, you know, I, I do, I'm working a lot with um, clients, children who are buying properties right now. And it's interesting, their perspective, by the way, they all think they're going to refinance their mortgage in two years for a 4% 30 year fix. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. <laughs> and I'm like, Whoa, let's not building that assumption. <laughs> well, I, I said to uh, my daughter, I said, you know, that 7.75, I said, Hey, right. my first house, the 30 year was 10. Yep. And I took a five year at 7.75. Yes. 
and rode that thing all the way down to three. Yes. So yeah, same. Let's so hope yes. it happens. Same. I had <laughs> I had a bad stride on a big mortgage, so that was a that was a little crunch time there. Yes. Uh, at six point seven five, I took a five year arm, and then <laughs> you know was able to refi. We refived down to four and a quarter, and Jeff and I were slapping five, thinking we're awesome, <laughs> you know. And then the rates continued to go down. So so I try to work with clients in in a um, compliment, you know, give them a complimentary yeah. meeting and. Um, pro bono sort of thing to to get them going in the right direction and build some rapport and all that. But, you know, my client base is, you know, I would say, you know, there's a good chunk that are like, you know, 70 and above. Yeah. I have a lot of RMD work that I'm doing right now with required distributions going out the door. So and there's some handholding with regard to that as well. Um, you know, and people get into their eighties, sure. you know, and so, you know, Joe was walking by my office the other day and he said, I can always tell when you're talking to one of your clients who's in their eighties, you know, I'm like talking loud, talking <laughs> slow. Um, but I want to make sure they understand what's going on and I want to make sure that they're following things and, you know, that they're, you know, still going in the right direction, you know, and uh, as they get older and, yeah. and hopefully, you know, obviously their money's lasting longer than they are and all that good stuff and they can enjoy, enjoy their assets and the fruits of their labor and all that. So, and you do a great job with that. And, and I, you know, uh, Brooks clientele is a lot in this area where the office is the main office in Shelton. Right. So I used to run into them a lot in the right. gym and right. they'd always rave about you mm -hmm. and your team and all the work you've done for them. So mm -hmm. I, I appreciate that. Cause that's what, you know, the hardest thing for me going from an advisor to a CEO was not being on the front line right. and people like you carry that forward for mm -hmm. me. So I appreciate it. Any last thoughts? I don't think so. I mean, you know, obviously this has been a great career for me. It's afforded a lot of flexibility with my family and, um, you know, continuing to build a really nice business, uh, you know, here at the firm as well. Um, you know, it's been great. Yeah. And, and, and guys, for, for the people listening here, it's not easy as you heard. It's a grind. You have to give up a lot of things in life, mm -hmm. but then you afford yourself that flexibility. And right. now if you say as a mom, you know, spending this time, as you called, I loved how you said season, because mm -hmm. that is real, really a season because I'm on the other side right. of that season, <laughs> right? Where the kids aren't doing that, but right. it's a different relationship right. with them. And then you say, oh, I want to go triple the business, then you could do that. Or mm -hmm. I want to maintain what I am. And mm -hmm. I think that's, I think that's the great thing that you've provided for yourself and for your clients mm -hmm. because- you get to enjoy that and, yep. and have a great life and impact their lives. Right. So Brooke, I can't thank you. And when you think of uh, small steps, you know, to get big wins or small steps, big wins, you did it your whole career. So congratulations. And I know I say it all the time, but I know you're just beginning. I think um, growing up in a family business and having that athletic background and understanding family values, all those things put together has, has helped you to become the advisor you are and the impact you're making on people's life. I can't thank you enough for that. Great. Thank you. I really appreciate that. You got it. All thank right, you. guys, take care. Make sure you, uh, go on Spotify, like us, go on YouTube, go on, uh, Apple and, uh, make sure you share this with everyone. Thanks again, guys. Thank you for listening to small steps, big wins. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Every bit helps. You can also follow us on Instagram at Small Steps Big Wins. All opinions expressed by the program participants are solely their current opinions and do not reflect the opinions their respective parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the program participants are affiliated. 
Investments or strategies mentioned in this program may not be suitable for you, and you should make your own independent decision regarding them. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. You should strongly consider seeking advice from your own investment advisor. Securities and investment advisory services offered through qualified registered representatives of MML Investor Services, LLC. Member SIPC, 6 Corporate Drive, Shelton, Connecticut, 06484, telephone number 203-513-6000.